All right, here we are for another fun episode of a book club where one guy read the book and the other guy read a third of the book. We're going to talk a little bit about Jane Austen's Emma. So welcome to In Full View. Um, so, um, yeah, go ahead. Movie's all right. <laughs> the, the, the first third of the movie followed fairly closely to the first third of the book. It'd be really funny if you only watched the first third of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can only I get through a third it. of it. Yeah, yeah, it's really it didn't. I didn't have the motivation to keep going. Let's talk about that. What do you think it was about the book? I guess that didn't was it just not motivated, or was it the book itself? Or uh, well, and again, like I think eventually I would have finished it, but it's just a book I wasn't, um, and I still might, even though I know how it ends now. Not that it was exactly like we had talked about in the past. It's sort of predictable in a variety of ways. And that's, I think, only in as much as it's been adapted in some way, shape or form multiple times over the last few hundred years. Mm-hmm. So um, so I think that's part of it. So that's why I didn't I was like, oh, okay, I kind of think I know how this is going to end. And then when I watched the movie, I'm like, yeah, that's more or less how I thought it was going to end. That is, in fact, if it does end the same way. So I guess we'll, we can jump right into spoilers. But um, so it does end with Emma with George Knightley, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, Frank Churchill. Hey, get out over there. That's my dog. Frank Churchill character runs off with uh, Jane Fairfax. Yep. Happens in the book. Uh, the Harriet actually ends up with Mr. Martin. Yep. The guy from the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it's Mr. Elton. Elton? Mis- Mr. Elton. Uh, that I guess that's the only one like I didn't necessarily, at least based on as much as I read, because he got refu- rebuffed or whatever by Emma, and then he just ends up marrying some other girl. But it's like, oh, yeah, just I some mean, rando. So that wasn't like something I expected or didn't expect. It wasn't necessarily like a surprise. It's like, oh, okay. Like sure. he obviously doesn't like Harriet and then Emma doesn't like him. So yeah. But does he play as small of a role in the rest of the book as it seemingly he kind of uh. did for the second two thirds of them? Like his wife seems to be more of a, a bigger character in the last part of the story than himself based they on the both, movie. I mean, they both just, yeah, they don't, do a whole lot in terms of like impacting anything they just show up all the time at all the parties and all the gatherings and they're just sort of bitchy sure and that's sort of it like 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 the wife just sort of whines or like is like complaining about how things aren't about her and then the there's like is a moment where um i don't does this does the the dance happen in the movie Yes, where he refuses okay, to dance with yeah. Harriet and then yeah, George yeah, yeah. comes in to save the day. Yeah. Yes, that's that like happens. the one other pivotal, I guess, moment. And she and that's why she's like in love with uh George for a little bit. George for a little bit. But uh yeah, I, I mean it was like Yeah, I mean I, I, I agree with you in terms of um the book not being very um surprising um and i think like like even harriet i'm like oh she's probably gonna end up with mr martin in the end and for a little bit i guess i was like maybe not but then like it did end up that way yeah mr martin's not in the book at all 
Right. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if he was as much of a non-character as he ended up being in the movie, because he's like in the book or mentioned, obviously, semi-regularly through the first volume right in the book and i think he at least has like the one scene where he interacts with at least harriet in the presence of emma uh, or one chapter or whatever you want to call it right um which is also super downplayed in the movie so like like he's he's just like a i don't even know if he has a single line of dialogue in the movie yeah from what i recall um but uh yeah so a lot of it was um semi-predictable not unenjoy. I mean, the, the film wasn't unenjoyable, and even what little I read was like fine. It's just not my cup of tea. I think. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like the right. It wasn't like the writing wasn't bad. It wasn't hard to read in that sense. But like, it's kind of the same problem I have with Dracula, where when it came out, I'm sure people were like the twists were new and the right the way the plot was going was new and people were, Oh, is she going to like, but because we've lived with these things for so long, you can just see all of the, the background, the strings, the plot, the right. Like, you know, that she's going to end up with the guy who she's sort of like flirtily antagonistic toward, but also like is deeply admiring of, you know, I don't know. It's like, okay, yeah, of course that's going to happen. And, and with Dracula, I mean, the comparison with Dracula is like in Dracula, just spoilers for that book, they don't tell you he's a vampire for like a long time. Right. That's supposed to be like, like kind of like a big reveal. But anyone yeah. Yeah, who's reading that book, you know, 150 years later, it's like, this is a book about the most famous vampire of all time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay. Yeah. I kind of knew that before I beat you to the punch, guys. Like, yeah. I got it. Um, yeah. Although, like, one thing that I, I, that I guess like I was, uh, I know we're just through reading the first part that I was like, let's oh, go. It seems like this uh, Mr. Knightley, I don't even know if I figured out that his name was George until I watched the movie. Because uh, <laughs> it seems like he's just always referred to it. I guess it says Mr. George Knightley early, but it doesn't. He's always. I, in my head, it's Mr. Knightley. So when you keep saying George, I'm like, who's George? Yeah, he's always so, referred yeah, and, to as Mr. Knightley. And then the yeah. other, like, and when it talks about his brother, it's Mr. John Knightley. So like, that's right. how they, you know, uh, designate them differently. Um, but uh that i was like maybe like uh, like it seems like these two are going to be the match right emma and mr knightley and the only thing that gave me a little bit of pause based on the first part was uh, like the the considerable age gap because aren't there like isn't there like a 13 year age gap in the book so yeah and the the movie i mean i guess you could i i assume the actor who played mr knightley is older than anya taylor joy um, I don't know if he's 13 years old. It doesn't seem like it's a sizable age gap. It seems like most of the the actors in the adaptation, like this is the one from 2020. So this is the one that I watched, the, you know, the other day. Um, yeah. It seems like they most of them were in this the the ballpark of the same age range. So I just remember thinking like, oh, I, and I know that that was more common in the time because they, they even point out early on with her uh, her former um governess or whatever they called her mrs taylor or miss taylor who became mrs weston Miss weston um, it, that was an age gap there too because the, the guy that she married was also older even though she was yeah. older so it's like oh, it's like i know that's like that was fairly standard practice for the era right um but within the adaptation that doesn't get played up really at all seemingly yeah 
well yeah of course i mean there was a part there's a line in the once they're um like it's like at the end near the end of the book once they're sort of like open with each other about their that he that um george loves emma where he's like uh you know i loved you since you were 13 (laughs) and she's like oh they're nice and like um so that would make you know like that that would not fly or that would not fly uh today, today no, no yeah no. um you were looking good since 13 girl um but like it it uh i i guess i will say like it did for a little while because you know this book it's sort of written in like um like characters just disappear for a long time so for the chunk where frank churchill's the like the guy um like mr knightley's not really around as much and so maybe for a little bit i was like oh maybe emma will end up with frank yeah but um i don't know and it does some stuff like the 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 twi- i would say the twist with frank and jane is pretty stupid in, in my like it just doesn't the explanation because they spend a long time explaining like why they had to do this subterfuge and like why frank pretended to be into emma when he wasn't right um yeah it's like yeah (laughs) yeah i caught on to i mean because it it feels like they sort of gloss over it in the in the movie up until the end i guess when the reveal happens yeah and it's um and i guess it makes sense but there's like a lot of things about like the frank churchill character like it didn't make sense to me anyway Uh and and that's more again from a, a contemporary lens like the idea of like sending your kid away to go be raised by his aunt and uncle when right. you're when you're perfectly well off seems like a, just a strange idea but again i know that wasn't exactly uncommon for, True. for I mean, the time so but it's and just, there's a lot of yeah so it's just a, a matter of, of of stuff like that and then um it, it, they go a lot of it's a lot about class in different ways right so like the, yeah. there's as they're kind of talking about especially through like the harriet character and Mr. Martin, right? So like that that dynamic and 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 trying to like make a lady of, um, of Harriet when they don't really know her parentage. And is the reveal the same in the in the book where it's like, oh no, her her father is just like a laborer, or a craftsman, or I don't, I think he was like a carpenter or something. As it revealed, have to double check. I think so, but I now I'm this could be totally wrong. I swear there was like a little bit of like, oh, she has a little bit of money, but not. Yeah, well, and that something. was, I think, even within the movie, it's not like uh, like her her father was like c- comfortably middle, maybe upper middle or lower middle class right. or whatever. The point where like, yeah, like where marrying Mr. Martin is makes complete sense class wise <laughs> based on the time. And there, and there is a. It's funny that actually is an interesting topic because like, on the one hand, it it feels like something that is so dated, and this like. Because it is like she's uh, Emma's trying to get um, a big chunk of the book is Emma trying to get Harriet to basically marry out of her class, like marry above her status. Marry up, sure. And it just doesn't work out. And everyone basically marries within their class, their their um, level or whatever. Um, well, except for, I guess, Churchill, right? I guess, except Churchill. Churchill, because I, which is weird. I mean, I guess they do say it. But it, it never comes off that way that like Jane Fairfax is in the film. Although I guess they do say that her aunt and and her great aunt or whatever are poor 
or relatively yeah. poor or whatever. That's true. Um, so Jane is, I guess, supposed to be poor, but Mr. Frank Churchill is considerable, or he stands to inherit considerable wealth anyway. Like he's was born into a higher class, true. and that that was the whole reason why they had to hide their relationship, right? From the aunt. From the, and then aunt. the aunt dies. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 You're right. That is the one separation. But everyone else sort of like just falls in line. And, but but like it seems weird. But I guess like that is pretty much how it works now too. <laughs> People yeah. don't really marry out of their class. Not too so, often, I think. Yeah. Uh, and again, because that just tends to be the people that you assume, are like, around. Are around. Yeah. yeah. So like, oh, yeah. The, you, you kind of marry within. So I think there's like degrees, right, where you might um, marry like a sl slightly up, like one rung up on the social ladder, or one rung down, however you want to, you know, whatever your perspective might be on it. But it's usually right. not like a vast, you know, vastly out of your social circles. Which uh, you bring that back to the the Churchill Jane Fairfax thing. It's like, well, they were all in the same social circles. Although in the film, and maybe they do explain this more in the book. I guess like Churchill and Fairfax were just in the same area at the same time, but I, I don't know exactly how they would have interacted socially. But it makes sense like in he... Highbury because like <clears throat> that seems like even though class is a thing there, people still are sort of like fluid were, with how they associate with each other. Yeah, they were like all friends or something. And I, I don't... Yeah, I actually don't know how they met initially because isn't like... I don't... There's like the whole thing with the piano she gets. Yeah. Um, and it was... Is it... Like, this I did not totally understand from the book. I maybe wasn't reading closely enough. Frank gave her the piano? According to the movie, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so then he must have known her prior. Okay, because I was like, well, they like went to the same parties and like Jane played piano for them. But okay. I guess he must yeah. have met her before then because she's playing the piano she got. Yeah, well, there's an implication in um, the film, and I assume it's probably somewhere in the dialogue is, as yeah. well in the book where, because um, Frank, Frank Churchill... Yeah. Right? Um, anyway, whatever that that family, the Churchills are all like in the London area, right? Mm -hmm. And then I think that's where Jane Fa Fairfax was as well. And they oh. they reference like like I don't know, is it Wayfair or Weymouth or something like that? There's a pl the place that, that both of them were before, right? Before okay, either of them yeah, ever come probably... to Highbury, and it's like, oh, so you've met Frank Churchill, and then like and then like uh, Emma talks to Churchill, and it's like, oh, so you knew you, you did you ever actually um whatever socialize with Jane Fairfax like what do you guys think of each other or like they were asking them separately but like they were just very like oh I don't she's what You're everyone right. says she is that was in there yeah 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 or whatever so it's kind of like there's there's an illusion that they they had not a, like they had met like they both acknowledge that they've met but they don't say anything more about it and it's yeah. it is a little I guess like oh that's interesting that they won't say anything more but I didn't right. think that much about it. So I, again, I, I sort of agree with you that that was probably like the biggest twist at the same time that wasn't like a central mystery at all. So it's not no. driving like, oh my God, I want to know about how Jane Fairfax and Frank Churchill met right. or knew, know each other or what their, what, what's their relationship. When, this, right. when the books call Emma, like you're just seeing everything through her, right. her eyes. And, um, and it's pretty, I don't know. Like, I guess like for me, like I don't think I'd read Jane Austen again. Yeah. Um, I don't. 
it's really interesting. There's a book we might read eventually or talk about eventually on this thing, um, that conundrum book by this um, trans woman. And anyway, in that book, she kind of references Jane Austen, I think at least twice and how much she loves Jane Austen and how good of like books they are and how, and I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it in the sense that like, I don't like the, I don't know. I read a lot of like old, I read a lot of old fiction and a lot of it's like, oh, learning about like um, ethical things or moral things or, or conundrums. Right. And like, there's none of that. I guess the only thing in this book is like, don't interfere in other people's love lives. Don't, don't and, meddle. Yeah. Yeah. Don't meddle and don't think you're smart enough to meddle because it's just going to make your friends feel bad and make you feel bad. But right. like, other than that, it's like, I don't know what I was supposed to like, well, A, I, yeah, of course, but B, I don't know what else I was supposed to take from this. Right. And I, and again, I think there, I mean, as we just did talk about, I think there is some commentary on class, but it, it, as you pointed out already, it's like, it doesn't say that much about it because for the most part, everything falls in line with class. I mean, I guess you could say that Emma becomes more tolerant of, of like the different classes by the end sure. of the story into the book, because um, she obviously, uh, is it the same in the book that she ends up actually making the final offer or reveal to Mr. Martin? Like, Hey, like, you know, still like ask, ask Harriet to marry you again. Like, you know, that's that she's good people. I don't know if like, that, that's how it happened. No, the, that might've been a, that might have been an addition a, an addition because i think in the book um nightly just tells her like hey harriet's gonna marry martin she's like oh okay cool okay <laughs> that was it so okay maybe, so maybe there is something that was out of the movie that like shows a little bit more growth on her part and then also yeah. they had like wince because harriet came to uh, emma and like revealed her her status and um and she was nervous to do so right because emma had been so kind of like class focused in terms of like her her relationship even with harriet we're like oh you need to make sure you marry a proper gentleman so on and so forth um so she thought that her friendship might be rejected once she finds out that she is just a more, from more modest family and yeah. then emma's like no we we would welcome him uh, your father here at highbury with open arms and like there's like stuff like that and it's like okay like that shows like growth and recognition that like people are people or whatever maybe that wasn't in the book so right um maybe there is no lesson <laughs> <laughs> lessons gonna, to be gonna, learned or whatever i'm gonna see if that let's see uh yeah i don't yeah well it doesn't i was looking at the summary yeah i don't i don't know i, I feel very yeah i mean i guess it gives you like um maybe a weird you know another reason to read books of this type or any book written in the past because it kind of gives you like a little window into maybe how things occurred back then but this is also just a time period and a society that I personally don't really care that much about because it's just a lot about like having manners, gossiping, and, and eating food. And that's it. And it's um, nothing really like, I don't know, there's no real con. I guess there's interpersonal conflict a little bit. Right. But even that is like of the mildest sort. And it usually gets like sorted out within like, um a few pages like a five-page apology we're like no no i was the one who was at fault um 
I, and it's all that, I mean, and like, I, I read something somewhere where <laughs> someone said like, oh, you're supposed to read it like it's satire. And it's kind of poking fun at all this snobbery, but I didn't get that at all. Um, it seemed very earnest to me. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. I don't get it. It's definitely like a, a, a style, a genre, an author I don't totally get. Like, I mean, the writing's totally fine. I, yeah. I, I understand, like, a female protagonist, like, a female author writing a female protagonist at that time is probably, like, fairly unique. And it's, like, right. a fairly strong, independent female protagonist who's as smart as most of the men in the book, except probably Mr. Knightley. <laughs> well, at the same uh, time, like, this wasn't Jane Austen's first book. And she'd been, no. all of her protagonists are female. I guess I don't know how True. independent they are in relation to Emma, because Emma maybe is more singularly I, independent. But I think I read somewhere that Emma's the one with the, because Emma throughout the book is like, oh, I'm never going to marry. But I think right. all the other books are about women who, who are desperate to get married. Who can't. And that and that's also because like when I mentioned it to some um, other uh, friends or whatever that I was reading it, and like, like oh, I think it was, it was, it was women. So I, th there, I think there is some... Um, you know, d different connection that women have to Jane Austen's work versus men. And I don't know if that's just because of how we're raised or when we're exposed to it, but most of them were saying, like, oh, you shouldn't have, like, Emma's like the best one, but you shouldn't have started with Emma. Like, you should have read Pride and Prejudice first and then, like, gotten to it. But I feel like, I think there's a good chance that, like, like you just said, like, you'll probably never read another piece of Jane Austen no. stuff. Like, I feel like if we would have done Pride and Prejudice, we may have had the same outcome where yes. it's like, okay, like we aren't going to uh, read anymore, but that was an interesting book, I guess. And I think the when you and I kind of came to the decision to attempt to read it, you again, you, you mission accomplished for you, um, was it like, oh, well, this is the one that, is, that, that, has, that everyone says is her best. So if we're going to read one, like let's read her best. And um, so maybe there is something like if you understand more of her work that you, we would maybe understand like, the humor or the satire more but i i'm with you like especially I mean, even within that whole first the whole first volume like none of it really seemed satirical like but maybe that's because i um going back to understanding like the era is like i didn't know i don't know that much about like that right. era or that 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 kind of society so maybe if i knew more about that i would understand the satire better so maybe it was just over my head um, I think that there's a, like, there's er elements of humor to it. Like I understand the humor and like, I understood like even from the beginning when, or I guess I don't know exactly how early it falls into place, but with the whole, like, Oh, like I'm trying to set Harriet up with this guy, um, who doesn't want to be with her, but I, I caught onto that like immediately. So that yeah. even that like little twist wasn't, uh, um, surprising. And then I, I realized as I was just trying to read up more about Emma and we had talked about this a few a week or two weeks ago when we were just kind of talking about how it seems like a lot of Jane Austen work or at least Emma based on what was presented was um, some framework for a lot of romantic comedies and then I, I kind of realized and after looking it up like oh that's why all of this seems so familiar is I forgot and I had read this in the past but it was just a bit of trivia that had eluded me um, was is or is that clueless the movie clueless is partially kind of inspired or based on emma and then oh. after i'm thinking about the entire plot i'm like yeah that's that's emma like it's emma just in southern california in the 1990s so she marries her i guess it is her brother-in-law her stepbrother or, or ex-stepbrother right whatever. but in emma it's her in emma it's her brother-in-law yes gotcha 
Oh, um, it is. To- that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is why so much of it seems so familiar. Um. Yeah, I. Uh, I and this might be a fault of my not a fault, but like I rarely, even when books are described to me as funny, for whatever reason, humor does not translate for me often when I read a book. Like, I understand that it's supposed to be funny or I understand that this is supposed to be a joke, but like it doesn't strike me as funny. I don't know why. Um, I, don't, I haven't read like strictly humorous books, but like, I don't know. I mean, Shakespeare's dated, but even all of Shakespeare's comedy, I don't laugh ever. But even more modern books like Infinite Jest, which is described as like laugh out loud funny, a book that I enjoy. I didn't laugh a lot. Um even when I knew that this was supposed to be a joke or this was like mildly amusing, I'm not like guffawing out loud. And I think there was a lot of that in Emma where like there was a protracted argument about like, cause the dad is like a hypochondriac or something right. about like opening windows at a ball and whether or not you can open windows at a ball and letting in drafts. And I'm like, I don't, I, it's just not funny to me. And like, maybe if I was someone else, I'd be like, dang, this is really funny, but. Right. And I think because I, I again, I mean, based on the, the film itself and then like in the third of the book that I read, I do think that like the father, Mr. Woodhouse was probably one of the more like situationally humorous characters. But again, it wasn't laugh out loud. It's like, this is a crazy old man. You know, right. like that was like, like maybe my internal thought a little bit. And then it, it helps in a, in a film or a play when you have an actor saying those things a certain way to get that humor across a little bit more. So they had uh, Bill Nye, I think that's how right. you pronounce it, um, who's a very funny actor and a very just good actor across the board. I've seen him in, in both dramatic and humorous roles. But it's a good, and he wasn't in the movie that much, just like he's not really in the book that much. Uh, he just kind of pops in in certain little things and has his, yeah, his right. little hypochondriac gig or his worrywart gig, whatever, however you want to label it. Um, and it's like, it's, it's like, again, it's humorous. Like I understand like, oh, that's sort of like, but it's not laugh out loud. It's like, oh, it's funny that he's such a worry warder that he's so concerned with these things. Um, yeah. But that's like the extent of it. Uh, I yeah. just find that, I think I find that stuff. I don't know. Like I, I um, sometimes I think I'm an impatient reader. <laughs> and when it feels like I'm like, it's when it's not amusing me enough and it feels like I'm just slogging through it. I'm like, all right, let's, Let's move through this. And I felt that a, not a ton in Emma, but there's definitely some parts in Emma where it's just like, okay, what this conversation is going on too long or the scene is going on too long or like, especially the, I mean, I already kind of said it, but the Mr. The Frank Churchill um, explanation was pain. Like it's like a 10 page letter that's like oh, recreated really? within the it might maybe i'm exaggerating it might be okay. eight or seven but it's like a letter recreate you know it's like oh here's mr churchill's letter and you have to read it and there's it's just like top to bottom you know no paragraph breaks and it's just like classic church oh, and i had and i had to lie and i'm sorry and it just went on and on and it's like dude i oh i'm I very glad it, that, like that i don't the, care yeah in the in the movie date uh seemingly um transpose that to just like the Mr. Um, West, what, what's the name of the, the West? Uh, Weston. Weston. Who? So his dad, uh-huh. I guess, receives the letter. So I don't know if Emma gets the letter in the book, but it's just basically Emma or, or Mr. and Mrs. Weston tell Emma like, oh, like we were going to try to set you up with 
or or with my son but turns out he was in love with jane fairfax the whole time yeah so. that, I mean, <laughs> and, and like, was, that mr. was mr weston shows up and is like you gotta come with us you gotta come with us emma or come to my house or something and yeah and then he gets her to come to the house and then they show her the letter and that's sort of the, okay because they want her to believe i don't there's a lot of that like i don't know there's a lot of weird stuff that like again like it is like a different time but there's a lot of like weird mannerly stuff that also it's just like i i don't understand the um i don't know it enough to know why they're doing some of the stuff they're doing and it's not like anything horrible but it's just weird little idiosyncratic stuff i don't know like you have to read the letter yourself or there's like that part where um you you probably read this part the part where <sighs> Who's the first dude that she's in love with? Mr. Elton. E Elton, Elton mm -hmm. sends that like po limerick poem well, or it's, something. It was like a, a riddle, like a, yeah, right. like a, a, a riddle poem. Like they had a word for it that they called it. I'm like, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of it in my entire life. Well, it was I, called I, a. I heard the word, but yeah. Oh my it's, god. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's a yeah, it's a common word, but I've never heard of it referred to in that context. Now we right. got to figure out what the word is um and they read it together like her and harriet read it together yeah and they're both like take breaks and they're like oh my god this is the most amazing poem like thing ever and they're like fawning over it and i don't know if, like is that supposed to be funny or am i supposed as the reader am i also supposed to be impressed with the poem because i wasn't like right. it wasn't like just, just uh uh, specifically you know impressive poem but then there's the whole part where emma copies it down or something but it's like this weird moment where it's like oh are you are you sure you're gonna copy down and it's like, well i'm just gonna copy down part of it but not the last part of it and i'm like what the f what the f is happening here? like i didn't i didn't understand like the purpose of this scene and it went on forever and then it never really came up again. Yeah. I mean, it was only, I guess, supposed to be played as if it was a reveal of Elton's, you know, affection um, towards Harriet, which right. even in that moment, you're like, oh, this was obviously meant for Emma anyway, like right. from the from the reader's perspective, or at yes, least from exactly. my perspective. Um, but yeah, then it's like it doesn't really come back up it maybe gets mentioned like in that carriage scene when they're leaving from christmas eve dinner or christmas whatever that was it may have gotten mentioned there like for a second it's like oh no like i didn't write that for her or maybe i didn't write that right. at all i don't because <laughs> yeah, there was also you know some reference that maybe he didn't write it charade it was a charade, charade. yeah yes. okay um so yeah that was that's actually they cut that out of the movie entirely so that wasn't yeah. so maybe there's that, that, that one could that. have been cut because i'm like what the f is this yeah the only thing that they had or or not the only thing but what they kept was the painting thing like the or not the oh at least i understood it as a painting in the book but maybe it was just a drawing because it's a drawing in the movie it's just like a nice drawing i don't remember yeah i don't remember if i thought it was a painting or a drawing but yeah there's like that whole she's like drawing harriet yeah and elton is like wow what a it's beautiful and they and she, and emma thinks he's complimenting harriet but really she's he's complimenting, he's complimenting the art skill or because, whatever exactly yeah um but i actually so speaking of the the i i thought the carriage scene was pretty well done in the book i enjoyed that it was like um i guess a moment of you know the plot moving forward <laughs> 
right Emma sort of like asserting herself against this dude who's like oh i love you um but then again like literally 50 pages 100 pages later he just like he just leaves town then he just comes back married like three weeks later or something right (laughs) i'm like i guess this is how this works yeah in olden times yeah oh i know that yeah because it's within the first part like it mentions him leaving like oh he's going off to do something for however long i guess it's just three weeks yeah um uh so i didn't get to the part in the book where he comes back but i know in the movie they mentioned that when he shows back up with the woman like they no one immediately assumes it's his wife and then it's announced that it's his wife and then like they have to do all this other stuff because like she's the, a newly married woman in town so now she gets some sort of status bestowed upon her because of that like that's something that's it you know addressed right. in the movie a little bit i don't know if that's in the book at all yeah um, so yeah that just seemed like it's you know it seems like a weird little side note and i guess it was supposed to sort of point at like oh like what a dick like because emma rejected him he's not even going to consider harriet but he'll go off and marry some other woman who also like who seems lamer than harriet right yeah um but yeah you don't really get a really great sense of her character and i guess maybe that was just to point out or to maybe resolve some tension between mr knightley and emma because it's go like you were at least kind of right to try to match Harriet and Mr. Elton because this lady sucks and Harriet would have been better than this lady. So, right. Like, you weren't completely in the wrong. I mean, you were wrong. <laughs> right. You weren't completely in the wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, I didn't, that whole, that whole thing never really resolves in the book either. It's just like, oh no, she just sucks and he sucks and the book just kind of leaves it there. Because like, I don't know, part of the book, at least it felt like, like, like with Jane Fairfax, it was like, Emma thought she sucks, but actually she doesn't suck. And Emma has to like realize like she was being like just overly judgmental or whatever. Right. And that doesn't really resolve itself too much in the movie, but there is like that commentary. Cause I, I, I had, cause I, I'd barely got to any of the Jane Fairfax stuff other than her just being mentioned like, Oh, here's this girl who's like around my age who runs in the same social circles who I don't like very much. Yeah, well, she doesn't like her, at least in the book, is my understanding, is because she's not talkative. She won't talk about things. Yeah. And that, like, pisses Emma off, which is weird. Like, she's just like, oh, she sucks because she won't talk. Um, And it, like, really annoys her, which is a weird, like, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, you could be like, oh, I'm not friends with her because she doesn't really talk to me. But, like, it's weird. Like, that specifically was what made her, like, kind of view her as like a bad person um and then it's revealed that like part of the reason she was doing that was because of this whole um frank churchill scheme okay and then emma feels really guilty and is now great friends with jane or whatever um just besties and maybe it was like supposed to be like a little bit of like girl drama envy because jane was a slightly better piano player than emma Mm mm-hmm and so it was like maybe that was like a subtext like that she was envious of jane in a way because they both were like talented but jane was slightly more talented i don't know yeah and i know that 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 was touched upon in the movie a little bit when like jane first plays piano in front of people like after emma does like emma's is just like a very sort of 
real simple little piano tune and this is probably probably translates better like on film or on a stage than it would in a book yeah you can actually hear how the piano is being played but it's just kind of like a dainty little tune that emma's playing and it sounds fine but then jane steps up behind the piano and just really rips one you know she's just really (laughs) really just you know uh, tickling those those ivories yeah um and just doing really well you know so and then like uh, knightley has a conversation with her about jane knightley like as that's happening again i don't know if any of this happens in the book or not but it's like oh like you know she's better that at you at piano but she's not your superior is pretty much what he says yeah but like that i guess that's part of the contention between jane and emma is that emma is so used to being most people's superior or at least within her right. peer group that she doesn't like someone being better than her yeah so like, i don't know if there, that there's some factor there but i don't uh, know yeah because um, in the book she like acknowledges that jane's better than her to herself probably as an aside to the to herself i guess yeah. but um I don't know. I actually, I am really curious. Like I would, I'd love to know what these people you've talked to, like get out of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's just know. entertaining. Like, yeah, I guess. I guess. And I know that cause I know that my, um, my mom like loved these movies, right? Like I know, I remember her watching whatever version of Pride and Prejudice, like she was all yeah. about those. And I think she'd even like had, uh, maybe been like I guess there was also like an adaptation with Gwyneth Paltrow back like around the same time Clueless came out. Um, that's one thing I was surprised by actually that Emma itself hasn't been adapted that often. Huh. Um, I, so I thought there were because I feel like there's a new Pride and Prejudice like every sure. four years or something, and I could be mistaken. Maybe I'm just like conflating different sort of period pieces that have a similar aesthetic. Yeah, um, but I feel like that's one that I hear a lot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think like there is an aspect of in a, kind of enjoying the dramatic and dramatic slash romantic entanglements of fancy people that sure. uh, appeals to certain folks. Uh, at the same time, like I would say, like I mentioned Clueless, like Clueless is a movie I enjoy. Like I, I, I you know, I remember seeing it when I was relatively young and it's one wow. that I, I will rewatch on occasion and I'm like, I can enjoy it. Um, and I, and I will say just to, to jump in there, I like, it, to me i generally like books more than movie like yeah the book more than the movie but in this case like i could see it being better because it cuts all the fat right and you're done with it in two hours yeah it's and, not like you're not like it's it's, yeah. it's more to the point and uh yeah because i even like yeah, again like the, the movie that i watched i'm like that was fine like that was i i felt like there were aspects about the beginning and maybe this was because it was the only aspect of the movie that i could compare to the book um so maybe this is why i'm like oh like you notice what's missing like oh it probably could have maybe used at least a little bit more here about this or that right um and, but as soon as like that first third had sort of transpired i'm like i just kind of mostly was able to sit back and enjoy the rest of the movie because i wasn't comparing it to anything at that point right um so uh and i thought and again like the performances were fine like the basic story is is fine like in it again i think it is a story like that though is very reliant on performances i feel like or a a greater understanding Uh of of the i don't know the headspace of the characters and maybe that's part of it like i just wasn't really able to understand like emma 
right. or or like the world, right? Like I don't understand how that world works because I don't know much about it. Right. And then so like I'm curious if I were to read, I don't know if I were to maybe just read this, say the script for Clueless or a story that was similar, I would probably be just as, as disinterested as I was in Emma. Sure. But at least I understand that world better. I'm like, oh, I understand high school, like high yeah, school in America. Malls. Like I understand. Yeah, I get what the, the, the mall deal. Like I get the Southern California thing. Like I have family from there. I've been there a lot. Like I kind of get, you know, the cultural stuff to an extent. Mm -hmm. At least because I was a lot, even though I was very young when that movie came out, I was alive when it came out. Right. So um, like I understand a lot of like the references and they aren't completely lost on me. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know, but again, even that movie, I would say gets by more on like the charm of Alicia Silverstone and yes. Brittany Murphy and Paul Rudd, right? Paul Rudd is the, the Mr. Knightley character. So it's like, everybody loves Paul Rudd. Um, so it's like, oh, I get, you get, you get it to that extent. Cause that's one thing that I think actually was missing. Like, I didn't particularly like the actor they got for Mr. Knightley for the, the recent sure. adaptation. Like he just didn't seem quite like right or mature enough for the mm. part and he also didn't look like he looked in my head like from sure. just reading it so like every, most of the other characters that i got to, that were introduced I'm like, okay that's i guess about right well i guess harriet also didn't look how i i pictured her because i pictured like a slightly chubbier girl they got like a pretty skinny actress to play her yeah they did kind of mention she was a little bit and that, chubby or whatever yeah but, but not just crazy like she, but like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. was just more full like full of face full and everything body, else yeah, yeah. so like but like that wasn't um exactly how she was portrayed in the film but she was you know it's true the actress was fine um but uh anyway like i was probably well even paul rudd like i don't i wouldn't because he's too funny sure <laughs> to, yeah, to yeah, me yeah, but yeah. again i guess the book was supposed to be funny i don't um, think mr knightley was ever supposed to be funny though he was always very serious and very like Emma, you can't be doing this. As I'm only telling this because I love you and I care right. for you. And you gotta not make fun of so and so. Yeah, that's rude. And because I, so I'm, I, I know that I had looked up, um, I guess whoever had played him in the the Gwyneth Paltrow version, and like that's kind of more. I pictured him as like a dark haired guy for whatever reason, but he's yeah. a, he's like a blonde dude in the movie. And I guess it's really the only difference. But um, there's just I I think like. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I keep going about no, the I was, I I was Oh, I, I, there's like a part because uh, they go like I assume this happens in the, the movie. They go on like a excursion or something. They go on like a hike and then they eating lunch on a hill or some junk. And Frank and Emma are hanging out, and Frank's like, "Oh, y'all gotta say witty stuff to entertain Emma." Um, and then Emma says something mean to Jane's aunt or Jane's. It says like she basically yes. talks too damn much. Yeah. Um, but then, then that's like a huge moment because later on, uh, Mr. Knightley is like, you deep gravely wounded the poor lady by saying she talks too damn much. Right. And you have to apologize. And then Emma like, there's like a chapter where she just feels bad and thinks about how bad she feels. <laughs> then she goes and like talks to the aunt and, and it's just like, I don't give a sh I don't. And like, she does talk to Dan much and it's in excruciating throughout the book where it's like, yep, there's the lady who talks too much. She talks in page long paragraphs about like nonsense. And I guess like it's to give the reader the feeling of being around this woman. 
but I don't need to feel that way. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> you can just tell me. <laughs> I don't need to also experience it firsthand. Um. <laughs> well, that's one thing, I guess, because she had uh, the, the Mrs. or Miss and Mrs. Bates had just sort of been referenced in the first volume. And they may have had like a few brief scenes or something. So they weren't in there too much other than like, I just knew the characters existed. Yeah. So I definitely like when, when that happened, like when that started, when she's kind of, I guess, showed up more um, up front in the movie or like kind of taking center stage in uh, certain scenes. I was like, oh, is this like uh, from what little they talked about her in the book? Like, I don't remember her had sp supposing to be this way, but I guess she was. And that makes sense. And then, yeah, there was, they had that same scene where she's like, like Emma, Basically, in the movie, they kind of played off as like Emma speaking without thinking. That's kind of how it is. Okay. She's just goofing or whatever. Yeah. Well, because like the, the Mrs. Bates character is sort of like making fun of herself. Yes. That does and then, happen. And then Emma just like adds on to it yes. in a sort of matter of fact. Yes. A matter exactly of fact, jokingly way that you could, you know, you could perceive it as rude or unkind, but it's um i do think like the reaction to it was extreme yes. i suppose it's like oh yeah Emma was being kind of a bitch there but like not that much of a bitch but again this is whatever early 1800s yes. polite society so i guess any little bit of bitchiness is um yes. like really like the worst thing ever right no exactly i guess and that's probably like our modern sensibilities but it's just like yeah it's like it's exactly what happened like she the lady makes like a uh, crack at herself and then emma just tags on and he's like you're definitely right you dumb whore <laughs> or whatever and and then and then it's like holy crap emma that was the most horrible thing you've ever done in your whole life and yeah. emma like goes into this deep repentance and it's just like dude what the i again like i can't connect to it and and then be like i i am really curious like is there something like why do women connect to it? What is it in it that they're getting that I'm not? I even understand like enjoying a romance, but I wouldn't even say this book is particularly romantic. No, well, I mean again, based on like the the film and what little I you know, I was drive that back home that I only read a third of it. Um, but no, it's not like overly romantic. It's it's dramatic. Sure. In, in like almost like the worst sense of the word yeah like oh that was like an overly dramatic um Thing. you know display yeah. of, of, right. of of human interaction um so but there are uh, people who do enjoy engaging in that and that's why people follow like celebrity gossip and watch right. the kardashians and and stuff like that I although like i i feel like i don't want to um I feel like I'm belittling Jane Austen by like putting them on the same level, but I, I don't know if there's really a difference in terms of like why people enjoy it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, and yeah, like it, again, like, I mean, I, I'll just keep reiterating. Like I think the writing was pretty good in terms of how it was the prose, I guess. Or yes. Like the flow. Yeah. I just, the plot in general was just sort of like, not for me. And I even get romance. Like I don't go out of my way generally like watch it or read it, but like I under when it's in a book that I'm reading, like I understand if there's like genuine chemistry between two characters that you like get invested in that and you kind of right. wanna see where it goes. I, I didn't feel like <clears throat> there was chemistry between anyone. 
Yeah, well, because oh. you're in, in a lot of ways, based on again what I'd read, what even how you kind of see in the movie is like most of the the more romantic stuff seems to happen like out of out of chapter, out of scene, like it's yeah. just someone talking about it. Where it's like, oh, this person really likes this person, or or whatever else. And I guess there are like the 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 proclamation of love from Mister Knightley later. Sure, though, that was also the most obvious part in the film as well. Where like he's like, oh, he's talking to Emma about how much he likes her. Although yeah. to be fair, like there are scenes with him again because I, I kind of caught on to it earlier. Like oh, like the like when he's talking to um, Mrs. Weston, or even how he talks with with Emma. You're like, oh, like he's like he's into her like you you can tell sure, yeah, dialogue yeah, yeah. and how he talks to her um but it's not like romantic you can just see that there is or you can read through his language and how you know he wants to talk to her and even how but she feels- kind of wants to talk to him you're like oh, okay like they have like this from from the very first mention of him right like when he first shows up in like whatever chapter two it's pretty early and it's just kind of like oh like we have like this whole you know thing with each other where like he, right. he doesn't uh, acknowledge my intelligence and then i don't acknowledge that he's right, right. <laughs> you know or whatever that it's was like, a oh. pretty clever that was pretty clever and there are like, like little flashes of that yeah. for sure i guess even i think in, and again this might be it probably is definitely a product of its time but like the book is also very sexless and so the affection you because you're right it is it, it is throughout the novel but it feels parental it's like i care for you i worry yeah. about your your well-being and your you know your your manners and your ethical code and i want you to be safe and it just feels very like a dad or like an uncle yeah <laughs> and I mean, it's not like i yeah, want you yeah like there's just mention of like acknowledging like physical attraction but it's it's more like that gets pushed aside very quickly it's like oh yeah she is a very comely young woman and then like but she she i i respect her and she's very very smart and very nice yeah 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 yeah. i want her to grow to be a nice woman nice young woman and 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 have manners and eat whatever it's also just like rule yeah eat gruel it's like gruel talking at least one one chapter of the book I got please eat some gruel with me. Eat some midnight gruel. Like, all right. <laughs> what? Uh <laughs> the that's the uh, like yeah, dude. I, I think it's like rich people, but like in the most boring way, also because they're rich, but in a time period where the rich can't like own Ferraris or do cocaine. It's like <laughs> um we're so rich we can eat whenever we want and we can have all the gruel in the world like we could go on a strawberry picking adventure and it's like <laughs> i i it's so boring like none of them have jobs they're just like i don't know i don't know what they're doing i guess it's yeah just like, I, yeah there is that like i hadn't considered too much i guess i know that I think in some capacity, I understand that both the Knightleys kind of get their wealth from some sort of real estate ventures. Yeah. I think. I think and so. Maybe they something. They just have money. Yeah. Well, that's like. Guess... Emma just is an heir to like 30K or something, which I guess is probably like a couple mil back in the day or something. R- right. Um, yeah. I, 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 it's, that's a thing I don't, I guess also it is, it's like a dated thing. I'm like, it's so bo- it's just boring to me because they don't do anything fun. They're just like 
let's have a gas let's drink tea together or whatever yeah. it's let's like, have okay. a nice little dinner yeah where we and kind then of talk about little things yeah <laughs> it's like, okay i guess again if i'm reading a book i want like in some ways i guess maybe that's realistic in some ways maybe that is very reflective of like what they did they just got together and talked about nothing and ate food which yeah. you know is something that like happens in in Real our life. world right but when what am i trying to say i care when it's my friends and my conversation when i'm reading a separate conversation and i'm not involved and i don't care about these people it's hard for me to get invested right the conversation which, isn't exceptionally interesting yeah which goes back to like again the maybe not fair comparison to a lot of like unreality tv where it's like oh we get a peek into these people's lives but like i don't care about these people right like why no. should i care about them? they aren't talking right. about anything interesting they aren't really doing anything interesting right but some people find all of that fascinating yeah <laughs> and maybe you and i just are not those and maybe that that's do. what it is um whereas yeah i'm because i'm trying i am trying to think about like other books i've read that have like that are maybe a little bit more talky uh, or have maybe romance as a, as a, like a bigger centerpiece of it. Like I, but I feel like yeah. most of the things that I, I am interested in reading, like I just enjoy like a, a good mystery because it drives everything. Like it drives, it drives plot. Like, Oh, here's the plot moving along. And obviously that's only good characters make that better. Cause then you're, you know, interested in the characters in their outcomes but um, I'm trying to think like a lot of the fiction that I'd even read in the, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I even, I, I mean, I've read a, a lot of older literature, like it is talky, but like there's usually like themes that the conversation sort of is about <laughs> or hints at, or like a, an ethical or moral or historical problem conundrum thing that like the characters are trying to like work through or give different perspectives on and that's what the conversation does for the book is it like it gives you these different perspectives or gives you these different ideas about whatever the heck the book happens to be about like in my for some reason in my mind i'm thinking of like um i'm thinking of for whom the bell tolls which isn't actually a very talky book because hemingway doesn't have a ton of dialogue but that book is about like war and what it means to like uh you know be in a war and to to put your life on the line and this kind of stuff and that's what a lot of the dialogue is about in this book i don't know it's i guess it's about love i guess the dialogue is about matchmaking or getting together yeah or, or how that works well, not even really courtship because you don't see that much dating happening no um like again, that's why I still think like there what? is, I, yeah, I still think there is. There's something being said about class. I don't think it's substantial, at least not from a modern lens. Um, but anyway, yeah, I just, I just feel like even the dialogue in this book doesn't really do it. It's not like doing anything. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not yeah. overly. I, again, I think that uh, from the, from the first part alone, anyway, and this may stand true for the rest of the book. And this is probably why the book ends the way it does. Is the most interesting conversations happen between Emma and Mister Knightley? 
because like, yeah, you yeah. actually you have tension and you have kind of like disagreement there so it's like oh this is interesting because they're disagreeing with each other right and uh i think that that's when emma seems more interesting and then even the the knightly character he has from the first part of the book anyway i think some of the better bits of dialogue from back he, yeah. he says some of the wittier things like uh, there's a there was a line i highlighted i'll have to go look it up it was well, that, speaking on vanity in some capacity but i was like oh that's a really good line i like that but yeah there, i and i think there were i definitely yeah i mean i already said it but there were some moments where you're like dang that's really actually is witty yeah <laughs> or is clever um uh i think and i to speak to your thing about the mystery part again i think if we were transported back in time maybe we would have been like oh who is emma gonna get what is going to happen? Yeah. But since you already know, it does really just deflate the whole balloon. Yeah. Where you're like, I know, like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. Cause you just got, again, you know, when you're thinking about certain genres, and you mentioned it with like J Dracula, is that it really was actually, I mean, the, the idea of like the novel as we know it wasn't that old when, sure, when like these, this book was written. Um, so because before that you had a lot, it was a lot more, I think, like poetry based. And then you had like the epic poems and, and, and so on and so forth. So you got work from like, you know, Dante and you got work from Cervantes and John Milton, where it's like, oh, like it's these huge epic poems. Like that was the long form storytelling right. that was done. So the novel was a little bit newer, you know, because you had whatever poem, poems or, or drama. So it's kind of like telling a story in a slightly different way. So I, I guess it would be more engaging at the time because it was new, right? right. So, oh, this is new. This, this is interesting. Like I, I like, I can do a little bit more in my head here, right? Or like, yeah. you know, in terms yeah. of building an entire scene, like I don't have to see it. It's kind of all for me. Um, but in the age of film and television and where like we have a Barnes and Noble full of books, right. um, uh, maybe this gets more credit for being one of the like the early versus super substantial because i feel like there's probably books that are written about similar things now sure and again like this not to take away from jane Austen, because like as we just said like some of the, the writing itself is pretty solid like some of the dialogue is very solid uh that, that's kind of put in there and clever woody whatever else um but the story itself isn't new anymore so you know, much like, yeah, when we're reading Dracula, that's also not a new story. Well, I was able to find it fascinating because of that, because like I'm seeing the origins of different horror stories. I'm like, oh, I see why Stephen King wrote this book that way. Oh, I see why this TV show was structured this way, because they read Dracula. Yeah. Um, and then even stuff with uh, Frankenstein, which I looked at, like, that came out actually within just a few years or a year of Emma. It was published around the same time. And it's kind of like, those are greatly different as far as their substance right i know again i think emma was a better written book but frankenstein's a much more interesting book and again maybe that's a matter of taste because like the question of you know playing god and responsibility for what you create and what does it mean to kind of be a father of something or what does it mean to be a monster that's abandoned or does that make you a monster because you were a bit you know there's questions right, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, all yeah. these questions that come out of it that you right. want to think about and consider with um emma at least from our point of view it's like right. i don't i don't have a lot of questions that no. i like that that, that that came out of it nor am i curious uh, you right. know uh, about anything i wasn't um about anything else other than like uh i and actually i'm not even that i'm not even more interested about that era now it's like oh like that seems like just a, like a boring time 
Yeah. Um, Cause I didn't even think about it through like how you'd mentioned it when you got like, yeah, if you think about like rich people nowadays, like some of the stories are very interesting because of the excess that they kind right. of uh, involve themselves in. So when you watch a movie like the Wolf of Wall Street, uh, I'm trying to think about maybe something else that's else that, that kind of deals with the rich and famous or even like something, you know, was written about a hundred some odd years later but like the great gatsby it's like oh like they're doing stuff like right. they're having like really extravagant parties they've got like the cars like they're there's like things happening that are a little right. bit more intriguing than like oh, and i guess the great gatsby is maybe sort of comparable as we we're talking about like kind of is a little talky and it gets <clears throat> to me but at yeah. the same time those conversations were often kind of boring like that's why that was a book where i'm like i, I never cared for the great gatsby either you, when did you read it uh or sophomore junior year or something oh, okay. like that yeah so, i love greg i love Fitz, i've read most Fitzgerald, but i read it when i was older I, yeah because I, I i do feel like and i this isn't about speaking to your experience or maybe you would still dislike it but i felt at least in my life books that i read when i was in high school as i've gotten older i've been able to appreciate more i don't know why i don't know if like the high school like oh this is a sign and it's boring because <laughs> I, I think i read um I had to read part of Walden in like junior year yeah, and I, and I hated it. And then I read it again as an adult and I think it's great, but. Yeah, that's what I, I don't, it's kind of hard for me with, with like the Walden stuff uh, to maybe disassociate how I, I see it now. Cause I don't really remember whether I enjoyed it or not in high school. I know yeah. I had to read it in high school, but I do know that I appreciate the ideas that are there now. Sure. Um, whereas I do actively remember not liking the great Gatsby in, in high school. Oh, and, and I know, but I do remember kind of acknowledging it and eh, maybe some, at some point in college when like it had just kind of gotten brought up or I kind of like looked, gave it a second look to next. Cause sure. I was like, you know what? I, I, I'll probably appreciate this book more when I'm older. Yeah. Right. So I think I had that, it. I had that thought when I was like 20 and yeah, maybe it is something I should reread and maybe I would get more out of it now than I did when I was 16 or 17 maybe, whatever it and maybe was. you maybe you want i mean it is sort of he does kind of have a specific style that i i think if you if you like it you like it and if you don't well, I can and it wasn't like, stylistically that i guess <clears throat> i had a problem with it it oh, was yeah. it was just like i didn't care oh okay i didn't care about the characters or their problems as That's they were funny. presented kind of early in the book um but again like they were slightly more adult problems i suppose yeah, because um, I know another book that I I do remember reading. Uh, I didn't have to read it for high school, but I just read it when you know whatever we were 17, 18 years old that I did really enjoy, and I probably wouldn't enjoy it now. And we, and we may have talked about this in the past. Is Catcher in the Rye? It's like, oh, like, oh this yeah. is like a shithead teenager. I I like this. That's fun. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because I did read that as like a middle. I was probably like twenty three, mm -hmm. and I didn't like it. Yeah, so I and feel I've like never. Yeah, if I were to read it now, I'd be like, "Oh, I hate this. I hate Cole yeah. Caulfield. He's the worst." <laughs> and know, I, like, I've read other. I've read other Salinger, and for the most part, I'm like, I don't like. I don't get JD Salinger stuff. It's just not for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's like a lot of like petulant, man, uh, young people who <laughs> are think they're smarter than they actually are. Yeah. In my, um, and that's kind of, I think exactly what you said is, is right. Like if I was a teenager, when I read it, I'd probably identify with Holden Caulfield, like this sort of aimless rebellion and you're just mad for no reason. Yeah. And I guess in that sense, he kind of captures that essence fairly well. Right. But I can't, as an older person, it's hard to, it's funny though, you bring up Fitzgerald. Cause I was going to say like tender is the night is a Fitzgerald book. 
that I think is like kind of a, I guess it's not a romance, but it's about love um, kind of um, and aging. And I think that one, I don't know why, when I think about books that I've read that are romance adjacent that I've enjoyed a lot, that's one. <clears throat> it's kind of like an older man who's married kind of falls in love with um, a younger woman and then maybe learn some lessons from this yeah. experience. Well, yeah, because there's another one is coming off the top of my head. I don't remember the name of the story. It was a short story, or maybe it was like a novella written by Philip Roth. And that was like a little bit of a romance because I think it was like, he just like, a, he was a guy who was maybe just going to, into college or maybe just out of high, whatever, kind of like in that young transition phase. And so, like, oh, this is kind of an interesting story about young love. Right. And then I guess that's also sort of true about, there's this story called, I want to say it's called Joyland by Stephen King. That's sort of like there's like a you know it's it's more of a coming of age story and this guy who's who ends up kind of having like this summer romance with this girl and that was interesting enough. But it's also like it was the story was helped along because like there's this mystery that's attached to it as well. So it's like oh like so the romance is good, it's fine, but I do like something else there. Or, and Philip Roth, I mean, just as a complete segue there, it's uh, or non sequitur, I suppose. It's like I, I remember really enjoying that short story to the point I'm like I should read more of his stuff, and he's he's got plenty of work to read, but I haven't read anything else by him. I I've that yeah no I I've never read any Philip Roth Roth, but he's a name that like I feel like um, has come up a lot, and I've always meant to read more of his stuff. I think <clears throat> to to kind of come back to the being rich thing. I think that's why I enjoy like Fitzgerald stuff to me is most of the stuff I've read of his is a commentary on it's usually about rich people, but it's a commentary on how like a the, the excesses available to you through your wealth are probably bad for you. Yeah. And it's ultimately hollow in like a moral like it's not going to bring you any meaning and it actually might make you feel worse eventually. And I feel like that's the same thing you kind of said, well, Wall Street to me, that's sort of what that's about in a less yeah. direct way yeah. but i feel like in pride and prejudice that it's just like being rich is cool well and but I don't again even know like so much I don't how, if, it, know. if it's cool but like for and i, I guess maybe, maybe i yeah upon. exactly it's not super commented upon and maybe i just don't know enough about jane austen herself so maybe like that that actually might be, it might be more interesting to like read a biography of jane austen than to read jane austen work um yeah why well, yeah go ahead well because i know that some of the stuff like with fitzgerald and this was just a, a quote i read not too long ago about like hemingway had on fitzgerald it's like oh it's a shame that uh you know fitzgerald was so consumed or interested in the rich when like that's just uh, like the most empty stuff in the world or something like that but like that's what a lot of his writing yeah. i guess ended up being about um but i think that's what i guess i'd say i push i i actually really like hemingway's writing he's such a <laughs> he's a mean person but that's what he, yeah he um i would say that that's the point of fitzgerald's work is that it's sort of a, a commentary on this well yeah i mean hemingway was coming at it more from my understanding for that quote and i could be completely off base because i didn't look at the full yeah. context but like they knew each other like they were uh -huh. friends or friendly or whatever so he, i guess like in in real life that was also stuff that fitzgerald was sort of chasing right was chasing yeah, like that 100%. wealthy lifestyle and so on so on and so forth and it, it ultimately you know didn't turn out well um so that was no, i think I that, that was more the it wasn't a comment on his work 
It was just it was about a, him so. on his life. Yeah. Well, I, I told. I mean, it is funny. Like, um, they, yeah, like Fitzgerald did kind of get sucked into all this stuff, even though his novels, I think, clearly, at least in my opinion, um, would recommend not <laughs> doing sure. that, not getting sucked into it. <clears throat> Pointing out, like, I mean, because. <clears throat> And now we're just talking about Fitzgerald, but like Fitzgerald was a was an alcoholic, but a lot of his novels, the characters have problems with alcohol and they're like bad. <laughs> so I mean, I think he's just you know maybe he's just writing about what he knows, but yeah, which is like what um, that's what they that's like the first rule of uh, in creative writing or just write, like write what you know. Yeah, you know, is kind of one of the but um, the tenets of it. So, <laughs> but oh yeah, so to bring it back to Jane Austen, I think you're right. I think there was a neutrality there, and maybe it's like one of these things where I don't know. I, I'm trying to think. Like, I guess it's just like there weren't even excesses available to them, other than like I guess they just had a lot of free time. R- right. Well, because that's the thing. Um, <clears throat> that, like, this kind of s- struck me as humorous because I don't really know the geography of of england or the uk very well so like there was the scene when um the dad is complaining to his older daughter like oh you shouldn't have gone to that beach you should have gone to this beach and in my head i'm like i in my head all beaches suck in england like i don't know if that's true it's like gray it's kind of like it's like all coasts there suck don't go to any of them right (laughs) like i that's just maybe me projecting like this weird idea that's been presented and yeah i just think of like a rocky kind of gray beach or whatever um you know so it's like i don't know if any of it's nice and i imagine i guess like maybe like like just like anywhere like oh they probably have certain days in the summer like they do in the northeast where it's like well it's not nice it's 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 not bad to be like on the coast right it's still pretty or to be able to enjoy that and right i don't know but yeah no i agree i don't know anything about that was the other like i'm so bad about like uh when people just say places, it just like in any book I'm reading, like it just doesn't. I'm like, where is that? What is this? Like when they're just like, oh, don't go to Wilbury, go to uh, Timbletown. Right. Like, well, again, <laughs> my my basic understanding of of England is like I know like London's kind of in the south of yeah. of England, and then I know that's about it. Like that's kind right. of, and I know like <clears throat> Scotland's in the north right. of of that of that not continent but of of the island of great britain or whatever right um so like i know that yeah i don't um, I, I um yeah i feel bad i feel like i really <clears throat> leaned into ragging on the book um i wouldn't i'd say check it i mean like whoever listens to this i'd say check it out if you want to i i don't want you to like not read it because i didn't like it but i didn't even i wouldn't even say i disliked it i'd say it was fine well, again, I think the uh, <laughs> one of the the things that sparked this this venture was a buddy of mine who'd said he'd watched the movie and found it. I don't know, if I, maybe I'm putting the word delightful in his mouth or whatever, sure. but like oh, I just thought it was delightful, and um, and I watched the movie and it's again like it's it's charming in its own way, and that's mostly because the actors. But he even made the comment to me after I told him we were reading the book. It's like, yeah, I mean, I I thought the movie was fine, but I don't think I'd enjoy reading that as a book. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you might be right. And I think he was. So Yeah. And I, I think like, yeah, maybe I was coming off too hyperbol. Uh, um, like I've read books that I've actively disliked and this isn't one of them. I didn't dislike this book. 
Sure. I wasn't like, this is awful. Um, why would anyone read this? It was more just like when at the end, I'm just like, eh. Like, I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I've read Jane Austen now. Um, yeah. At least one of them. And I, uh, I, I but I, I guess I am left kind of, I do want to <clears throat> maybe try to read or listen to or try to understand people who do get something deeper out of it and be like, what, how, in what right. way? Yeah, maybe we just but, missed something, right? And um, right. And it's just, it's a matter of, of coming from a certain perspective that we don't we don't understand that angle on it. At the same time, you know, you can make that claim about like I don't understand the the world that Frankenstein took place in either. But like I get sure. the questions there. Like I don't understand everything from Dracula. I get the questions. I don't understand everything about the world of um, Huckleberry Finn. But I understand you know, the character and, and the questions being posed and the more serious matters being sure. applied and whatnot. So I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't, it's not bad. Right. Like, and it's, it, and it's like a, a perfectly fine story, but, it, and again, this is coming from the, the, this modern lens of movies and television. I feel like that's always what it was going to work best as. Yeah. Well, maybe, and this is a thought, I mean, I think I might've already said this as well but it might be that coming from a masculine perspective i just don't get some of the like feminine femininity that maybe she captures in a way that had i had that experience it would like resonate with me and i'm like oh yeah i've felt this way before or i've had these thoughts or right and, but I, well, but I, yeah, I don't know. You know but... and, maybe, and maybe there's something to that because, like, even as we we had just referenced or mentioned you, uh, other um, romances that we found interesting, it was like, well, it was written by F. Scott Fitzgerald, man, Hemingway, right. man, Stephen King, man, Philip Roth, man. So like, oh well, I get the psychology of this young male character, right. and how he feels about love. So that's probably what it is. It's just a matter of being it finding it relatable. But I guess right. when the, some of the ideas are a little bit more alien to you, it's like, oh, I don't get it. Right. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so it's it's the whatever <laughs> yeah. men are from Mars, women are from Venus angle where it's like, oh, there's just something about the experience that I I'm complete I'm so disconnected from. Which is really, I think, an interest I, I always find that fascinating because I do it's like a it's like something that I that um <clears throat> whenever it happens, um, I like obsess over it. When I see something that I didn't like, but other people are like, This is great, this is amazing. It's like what did I what did I miss? And I guess probably it's something that I it's kind of ineffable and it's like not able to those people who enjoyed it probably wouldn't be able to explain to me the experience that they had that made them enjoy it. Because right. um, <clears throat> like even that we I, the conundrum book, it, you know, this person was born as a man, but always felt that they were a woman <clears throat> and she connected to this novel. Um, and maybe it's something about that sort of perspective on life this feeling i don't know this wom mm -hmm. womanness but i don't know but anyway yeah anywho i think so we've have we spoken our piece on ran that we stomped that mud hole dry on all on right two two so this yeah this has been two two straight dudes don't get jane austen all right <laughs> you're welcome yeah. you're welcome uh, america yeah uh in canada i think we got some canadians listening somehow nice um, but all right, well, that's it. We're going to go ahead and sign off. Um, right. 
about two yeah straight guys who don't understand women uh, in yeah. their thirties. What's their problem? Yeah, what are they- <laughs> what's, what's, what's up with what's up with lady folk? I don't get it. Anyhow, <clears throat> all of that. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and catch you kids on the flippity flop. <laughs> <laughs>